0: at orderct.com slash easter24. Welcome to the Craft and Character podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today, the Ascent Leader, and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a conversation with Dr. Allison Cook. She's a psychologist and writer who empowers people to heal from the past wounds, develop a strong sense of self, forging healthy relationships with others, and experiencing a loving God who is for them. She's written two books, her first one which I absolutely love, Boundaries for Your Soul. And her most recent one that's dropping in two weeks called The Best of You. She has an incredible podcast that is on the Annie of Downs, That Sounds Fun network. She is brilliant. I cannot wait for you to hear her wisdom. Well, Dr. Allison Cook, thank you so much for joining me on the Crafting Character podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. It's so good to be with you, Steve.
0: I have heard so much about you. Um, you're, you're an amazing follow on Instagram. Um, I feel like every time I see you post something, there's this both joy that I'm going to learn something new. Um, and also a little bit of a, oh no, I'm going to have some work to do. <laughs> so you just have this ability of, of almost being this, uh, pastoral therapist from afar um you and andy colber i feel like are two people that just constantly whenever i see post i'm like all right i'm going to have to get my journal out and uh and just start start reflecting on uh what you have just offered to the world. And, um, I'm so excited to talk to you because I got to read, uh, the best of you, uh, this whole concept, the subtitle, which I absolutely love is break free from the painful patterns, mend your past and discover your true self in God. Break free from painful patterns. And I could not put this book down. We, we actually were supposed to do this interview, uh, last week, but I, I was like, I got to finish this book because it was so moving. It's one of the most accessible, rich, um, deep, really, really personal um, and profoundly helpful books that I've read in a long, long time. And I I just, uh, I'm so grateful to have this moment just to, to talk to you a little bit more. Um, tell us where this idea, you you kind of mentioned it in the introduction, but where this this phrase, The Best of You, and where this, this idea for the book came from?
1: Yeah, the book, the, the idea for the book kind of grew out of years of blogging and writing kind of around this idea of how do we really become a self? So my doctoral work was, as you say, you know, I'm a psychologist, but I definitely, I also studied theology. My doctoral work is in both. And I was always fascinated by this idea of how do we become a self? And we don't talk about that in church circles. In fact, we talk about bypassing the self. We we want to get rid of the self and everything I read was like, I loved to read, you know, these guys like Kierkegaard and Jung and, but they're hard to read. And I'm like, man, you know, and, I, and it was fun then, but it was like, I think it's, it's gotta be simpler than this. So it kind of came out of just my own trying to write out of my practice, out of my own life. Um, that the idea, the ideas kind of formed just out of this practical, um, trying to take these philosophical ideas and be like, this is just not something we need to be afraid of in church circles. Like we should be talking about what it means to be a whole self. Um, I didn't, I only learned to deny myself. You know, I only learned that the self is bad, you know, and it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense as a therapist. It doesn't make any sense as a human or as a pastor.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think um, that the self has kind of been just kind of pushed to the side because I I really feel that like I you know your your first book The Boundaries for Your Soul was so mm-hmm. helpful for me and gave me so much language but mm-hmm. I I feel like I don't know if it was that I didn't know how to name my desires I don't mm-hmm. know if it was that I didn't know how to even be attentive to the parts mm-hmm. of myself I, yeah. I I almost had this sense of um. Self is bad, yeah. you know like and yeah. and that's what's going to cause me into sin yeah. and it wasn't until I could actually begin to have um what Neff calls a fierce compassion for yeah. that self, um, yeah. but maybe talk about that because I, I I think especially from the pulpit, from how we share i'm I'm always fascinated when a congregant might be able to hear and the way that they might hear something or interpret it might be, oh, myself is bad. And and the way you write is really beginning to get in tune and touch with, with the self.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and I gotta be honest, I there's there's a needle to thread here, right? Because there's this, there's this dichotomy of the self is God, you know, the self is the ultimate. And that's not what I'm trying to do with this yep. book. And we see that. But there is this, and and to be honest, it's not it's it's more in the last century this idea of self as bad that we should be self less that we should be you know it, it, and it really d- did arise you know in this in this last century because a lot of the great thinkers, if you think about Augustine or Calvin or you know a lot of these a lot of the historically there was this constant pairing of I can't know God if I don't know myself All right this is not a new idea, but it is one that got lost in the last century. And I'm not sure where to pinpoint the, the blame for that, but I don't I think a lot of people had the same experience you did and I did. A lot of it comes back to the Jeremiah passage, the heart of you know, is deceitful and wicked. And we I both in both books I talk about that passage yeah. um, as being sort of used as this tagline for the the corruption of the self, original sin is overemphasized at the expense of original goodness. Originally God called us good. And yes, then there's, there's both two things happening. You know, we are not one or the other. Um, And, and to me, again, it's, it's, it's kind of a curious how, how we went so far to the other end of, I, I get the idea we don't want to become little mini gods. You know, that's not the goal, but, but there's this whole, there's this whole other side to the pendulum of, we should just completely bypass the self altogether. When in fact, what I believe is the path forward is to become your true self, become the self God made you to become. And I think that's that's what heaven's gonna be like. We're still yes. gonna be there, right? Yes. We're, you know, and that starts now, you know, we we we're, the more I become the best of who I am, the more you become the best of who you are, the more we get this little glimpse of what it's really supposed to be like.
0: Yes, yeah, I love that. And chapter one begins with a question uh, or it's titled, what do you want? And Mm. I have, I found myself, you know, realizing, um, there was a book by Alice Weber called the drama of the gifted child. And I knew what other people wanted, which I think made me, um, or trained me or groomed me to be a decent pastor. Cause I knew what other people wanted. I didn't know how to actually answer that question for myself. What do you want? Um, and, and you use that under the subtitle about uncovering the hidden you. And, yeah. and I feel like for many of us, we, we almost don't know how to access that part. And again, yeah. you do this so beautifully of walking us through that. Talk about that, like your journey of how you kind of began this journey to go, man, there is something more good and more beautiful and, and like, purposeful for God that how how he made me and wired me that you were able to go on that journey for yourself.
1: Yeah. I tried to live very literally into my early thirties, this life of my my existence should only be about other people. You know, And I'm a Enneagram three with a two wing. I'm not sure if that means a lot to your listeners, but I I did that very well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I will only make this about you. I'm a therapist. If we're together, I will only talk about you. And I personally, I hit a brick wall of a literal three-year, I took a, I call it my breakdown. I took my three-year time out because I did not know how to bring myself into relationships. I did not know how to say, you know, this is what I need. This is not working for me. And so it came out of my own journey of assimilating those messages so deeply and trying to live so laser focused on other people that I completely lost myself, burnout, started having terrible anxiety and had to work myself into uh, a life that involved me. I always say to people, I was like, any relationship includes two people and you are one of those people, yes. including your relationship with God. But I really didn't understand that. I had no comprehension of what it meant to bring myself into a relationship and breaking that down into those tiny, tiny little, like, what do I want to eat today? You know, I mean, you know, down to, should someone offers me food? Well, do you want me to have food? Then sure, I'll have food. Do you want me, you know, know, it's micro decisions and I'm being a little bit extreme, but that was kind of my experience. I mean, yeah. it was, and and we call it, you know, I get into in the book, to me, this is this epidemic of codependency. Yep. And that's what I began to realize. I was like, oh my gosh, if I don't bring myself into relationships, I have no choice but to become a completely dependent on other people. And that is not healthy.
0: Well, and and talk about this because that's chapter two. You talk about the cocktail mm. of codependency and mm-hmm. I I got stuck on that chapter. Mm-hmm. I, there's part of me so grateful you wrote it and part of me that I'm like, oh my goodness, you you have named so much of my 30s. You have mm-hmm. named so much of the parts that are still um, how I was taught and how I've chosen to function as a as a leader and as a pastor. And it, and, it, and it's almost, you know, for so many years, it, I felt like you were applauded to be busy, even if you ran yourself in a ground. And, and now it's like, I think your work and and some others are, is bringing to the forefront how codependent many Mm -hmm. of us actually are. We just, Mm -hmm. we never, we haven't actually named that. And, and, and so just, can you spend a moment and, and, and talk a little bit about codependency, but then also talk about how you think it could be so evident or possible for pastors to fall mm. into a codependent relationship mm-hmm. with their congregation.
1: Mm-hmm. I look at codependency as any real betrayal of self, mm. right? And so we, we essentially look to completely externally. We look to other people. We look to a congregation. We look to a spouse. We look to a friend to tell us who we are. And it's a betrayal of our God-given selves, yeah. You know, we can even do it with God. We can go there if you want. But, you know, there are ways in which we want God. I, I've been through this journey myself to do that work for me. And God will be like, what do you want, Allison? I made you. I know you, you know. So there are many ways that it shows up. It's, it, But it is at the the root. It's that pushing aside of the self to let everybody else define Who I am. And we are taught this in so many overt and subtle ways that we don't even realize it. And it's fascinating because what people don't understand is the opposite of codependency is not, you know, rugged individualism. It's not my way or the highway. The opposite of codependency is healthy dependence. Yes. And healthy dependence, again, requires two selves, it requires two whole people doing the work, doing their own work of healing and doing their own work of coming together to say, how do we become better together?
0: So. I'd say it's an interesting piece because that's been one of the, the hardest parts because as a pastor, and I imagine this as a, as a therapist as well, you are in a relationship with somebody that you are wanting to help. Yeah. But the way that you just described that was two people who are whole, who are looking for healthy dependents,
1: yes. you know, yeah. and,
0: and, and, and connection. But what happens when some, when you're actually choosing health mm-hmm. and you really desire somebody else to grow into that flourishing health and wholeness, you can't do the work for them, but they're right. not showing up. And it's like, sometimes I feel like I can overreach to try yeah. and make it easier for them. I imagine so many pastors can do that to go, man, I'm just going to try and make it as easier for them. Or um, how do you prevent yourself from doing somebody else's work?
1: Yeah, I think pastors and therapists are certainly, you know, we're, we're set up for that. We're, we're trained for that. We're hardwired for that. Um as parents, it's another one. Yeah. Parents where someone yeah. really is dependent on us, how do we not become codependent with our children, even? You know, how do we empower people versus enable people? And that's those are the key, you know, how do we empower and equip yeah. people versus doing their work? And it all comes back to my motivation. You know, am I what am I getting from this? So as a pastor, you know, as a therapist. Am I doing their work for them so I can feel like a great therapist at the end of the day? That's a subtle, subtle thing, but it's really important. Or am I seeing this and am I really in my, and it really comes down to this, you know, as, as, as Andy describes in your body, but there's this body, this whole body. I am here to empower you. I can feel it in my body, empower you and you get to choose how much of this you're going to take or not. And if you're going to take it, I'm going to cheer for you. And if you're not, that's cool too. I may not be able to continue to be your therapist, but I will root for you. You know, That's a very different energy than, I'm going to work so hard to make sure this is working so that I feel great at the end of the day. That, that's a little bit of the difference. Same with the pastor. I can imagine. I'm going to give you guys tools. This is the best I have to give you. This is what God has given me. And I have absolutely zero control over whether you take these tools and use them or not. And that's on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's not a reflection on me.
0: Yeah. I so, that's so beautiful. And, and the, again, the way that you just articulate that just my job as a preacher pastor is to empower and equip, um, but it's, it's their choice. It's their choice. And, and where I can fall into tempt, you know, a struggle or is into, oh, enabling, but that motivation yeah. is more like I need them to want me, not yeah. oh my goodness I I want the best for them. I I love how you you know again you begin that first section with that question What do you want? But then again going back and you, you kind of articulated a little bit earlier. But the second one is is this second section is all about discovering the best mm-hmm. of you, mm-hmm. and you begin that that first chapter in that section of. What do I really like? And I, I just, I love that. It's, it's, it's learning again, just to get in tune with those parts, that self, like what, what do I actually desire? Why, why do you think it's so hard for people to actually do that?
1: I think, well, I mean, a couple of reasons. We're conditioned, you know, especially if we grew up in the church, we're conditioned to focus on other people. So it's almost like a muscle, we don't develop, we don't develop this muscle of what do I want? What do I like? It feels bad. It feels selfish to think that way. So some of it's just a muscle. I have learned one of the things I've learned when you have that part of you that want, and I want to be compassionate toward the parts of us that so desperately want to help other people. But when I notice that sense of urgency, it's almost always a cue. What part of me Need something? What part of me isn't getting a need met over here in a healthy way, which leads me down the path of what do I actually need right now? What do I want? Do I need rest? Do I need time away? Do I need more coming in? Am I lonely? And so I'm desperate for these, you know, and so just so so for me, it's kind of beginning to actually look at befriend the cue if I'm overworking, overreaching, trying too hard on behalf of others, Almost make that my friend and go. And this is from my first book, but go, oh, what part of me? And that's what happened when I had that breakdown. I literally just had to be like, what do I what do I want? What do I need? And develop that muscle of noticing. And I I talk in the book about finding your voice because it comes from different places. It comes from our bodies. It comes from the young, the young, you know, not to get into to, you know, we would talk, but the young one inside of us that never got a chance to play, you know, children by nature play, they sing, they dance, they're silly. And there's so much for us in that as we start to listen to, you know, these different parts of us. And I know that for me, I'll share personally in my thirties, when I had this breakdown, there was a part of me that was, and I was terrible at it was hysterical, was like, I want to be in plays. I want to act. So I started taking acting classes. That was not a, an elect. I didn't understand that. That made no sense whatsoever. But it did when I looked at my childhood. I There was a part of me that loved to. And I just started listening to some of those parts of me to fill out. Again, we're trying to fill out. I'm going to show up for other people. But I'm going to show up for other people so much better, so much more wisely, so much more effectively when I've learned how to show up for the parts of me that need to be loved, to be tended, to play, to be nurtured, to be silly even.
0: Yeah. It's it's awesome. I'm, our mantra in our house is learning to play right now. I love and it. so uh, my wife, she's uh, she turns 40 this year. And it's part of like our big conversation that we have is oh we we were both invited to be uber responsible at an early age and yeah. and we didn't we didn't always know how to how to play, and we feel like there's parts of us that are just you know seven years old still because we're and and there's that muscle memory that we don't have the muscle memory was towards being responsible. Caring for everybody else and learning to tend to this, and so you know when I come home and um, and I just see paint all over my wife's hands, and I'm like, yeah. "You're playing, you're learning to play. We're learning to play, and just even putting it in, um, not just like scheduled playtime, but like we're learning to play. It's like a posture in it, like it just yeah, it eases us into this whole piece. And and again, I love I love this section. Um, in discovering the best of you. And and you did, you, you talk about finding your voice. Um, the, the other chapter that really got me though was the last one in this section. But like, won't they be mad? Like, Won't people be mad once I start setting boundaries? Won't people be mad once I declare what I need? Won't people like, uh, and I th- I think for so many pastors, so many emerging voices that are listening to this, so many, so many, you know, young women who are stepping into mm-hmm. kind of roles and platforms of teaching going, can I actually name mm-hmm. my, well, the best of me? Can I name these parts of what I need? Because maybe someone will get mad because I'm not meeting somebody's expectations. And so they shut it down. Um, mm-hmm. And you do again, just a magnificent job of giving people tools and handles to make this so beautifully accessible. This book in this chapter, but also your last one as well, just in healthy boundaries. Talk about that because I I, I think, um, I think so many people might not voice it, but we walk in real fear of, I don't want to make anybody upset. I want, yeah. to, I want to be nice yeah. and good and yeah. sweet, especially in Christianity.
1: And then we're taught that that's the way Jesus loves. And then I read the gospels and I'm like, that's not really how Jesus loves, right? Right. right. I mean, it's, you know you read Proverbs, and I, I talk a lot about that in a chapter. I'm like, mm, no, I don't think that <laughs> is how Jesus shows up with people. It's not always nice and and sweet and 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 sure. I'll just lay down dead for you. Yeah, um, yeah I I think to your question, I the first thing I try to try to say to people, and and to, you know, pastors, therapists, parents, all of us, is they might be mad, you know, and and I'm not. Sometimes we, people will, we will train people what to expect of us. We Mm -hmm. will condition other people, right? We've been conditioned by our own parents, by our own, we are going to condition, we're going to train people what to expect of us. So you have to kind of think to yourself, do I want to train these folks to, that I will drop, you know, what, what expectations do I need to set for my parishioners? and then you've got to flip it to and it's not about letting them down it's about again how do i show up as the best of myself because that's what they actually need they don't actually need me you know that is the person that they need they need me showing up as the wholehearted best of who i am someone who's got about you know someone who understands how to play when to log off how to care for my own family how to care for myself and care for them and the more i'm doing that the more that a the expectation I'm setting for how they're going to be and how this community is going to be, but it's going to be better for them. In many ways, the old adage "more is caught than taught." Yeah, they might not like it. It's especially hard, and I talk about this to change mid-course when we've already set those expectations. Yes, they expect, and all of a sudden we're like, guess guess what, guys? I'm going to start taking this time off, this time away. There are ways to communicate about that that are better than others. You know, you get to change course. You get to say, we need to have a family meeting, whether it's with your family or your church and say, we got, things got to change. Yep. Here's what I need. But again, it gets back to, here's what I need. Yep. I have conviction about that before God. I'm good because guess what? I've searched my soul. God has searched my soul. The few safe people I trust know me. And it's going to really disappoint me if you guys aren't okay with this and if you don't like this, but- my, to get to the break free from painful patterns, I'm free. I'm at peace with myself. And so this is what I need. So there's a lot of pre-work there, right? To, yep. to come to that point of resetting those expectations. And then again, empowering and equipping and what they decide is what they decide. And you hope that they will come around and say, all right. And then that sometimes there's a negotiation. I talk a lot about negotiation. That's fair. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. But if you get toxicity, then it's like, well, I'm glad I figured that out now. Right? And I, and I get that it's more complicated than that emotionally, but that's really the truth. You find out. But if you've done the work inside your own soul with God, with yourself, and with the few people that you put in your life, you can't, nothing can break you. You know, yeah. It's it, it's like you're okay. Yeah. So they go their other way. They go another way. That hurts, but... You're free because you yep. did what you needed to do for you.
0: Yep. I, you know what's so amazing is when you say that we have trained people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it's, I think there's this adage in leadership, uh, especially in the in the church is you know I'm going to push really really hard. We're going to get this to a certain size. We're going to get this to a certain budget. we going to get this to a certain like staffing, mm-hmm. and 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 if I can just get that, then my life will be okay. Mm-hmm. And and then you you but you've trained all these people along the way to That's need right. you. to to like call you, you've given your cell phone out. You've like, they have direct access and, and it's building, it's building and you've hired people, but they're still calling you because you've trained them. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. when I'm reading your, this chapter, it hit me. Oh, what we've called burnout Mm. is actually the effects of how we've trained parishioners to act and interact. And now we don't know how to get ourselves out of it. So we're like, I'm burned out. And we are, but like, Mm -hmm. it's based on how we've trained often people and not been able to be aware, not like the only way, but like part of it is like not being aware of those parts of what we needed. And I just, I don't know, it hit me and I just said like, wow, like Mm -hmm. how am I training people right now? Mm -hmm. Am I? Yeah. Uh, That's,
1: That's good. And then sometimes I'm thinking even to tag with you then. So then I'll take a sabbatical because of burnout, which is great. But then I come back in and I do the exact same behaviors as opposed to how do we shift the system? And, you know, I see it in, in my own work as a, you know, as a parent, you know, my, my husband, I talk in the book about my husband, helping my (laughs) empower and equip her at times, Yes, I was like enough. Okay. Uh, Um, But I'm very grateful. But, um, I would complain you know, about the kids, blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, you know, you've trained them to do that. And I was like, it's exactly, it's a hundred percent right. I want, I, I go over here and complain, but then the minute they have a problem, I fix it for them instead of saying, well, let me help you figure out how to, how to solve that. And we, I'm, i I can imagine it's the same with churches. And, and it is hard when you've established that. You might even feel guilty, right? Cause you're like, I made myself so available to build and build and build. And now I want to scale back, but, Again, that's not a reason not to do it. It's a reason to get some good counsel and get some good support to go, how do I do this well? Yep. How do I not just pull the plug on people when you're in leadership, but how do I say, I- I've become aware and own your own part in it. I've yes. become aware. There's some things I've brought to the table here that haven't been good for me and, and haven't been good for this community you know, there's a a process you can walk through to change that. And and that is part of leadership. And sometimes it can just feel easier to keep the path of least resistance. But I do believe that the soul work, the good work, the holy work of integrity of leadership is reading those cues and going, okay, God, I've got to figure it out. I've got to figure out how to retrain them. And that work's got to start with me.
0: Yeah. I'm telling you friends, um, this book, the first two sections are just, you're going to uncover some stuff within you. And then you're going to discover some unbelievable stuff that's within you. But I think so often there are many books that stop here. And it's, and it's kind of like, oh, you're able to uncover some stuff and, and discover some stuff. What I loved about where you moved with this book was in that third section, which yeah. is now, how do I express the best of you? Because there are these relationships that are that I have. That now, how do I how do I begin to articulate this new way forward, this new yeah. direction? Um, because I think when we've trained people, some, sometimes it gets really really hard. Because people go, "No, I've only known you to function as uh. Steve the preacher, or as Steve the guy who picks up every time I call, or Steve the da 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 da,", da. and. Now, as I start to get in tune with the actual parts that bring out the best of me, yeah. how do I express that well? These like 60 pages and four chapters that you go through, it's more, I think it's like almost 70, 80 pages. That, that, I mean, it is, it is, it should be mandatory reading for every pastor. It is, I mean, I cannot put a, bigger stamp of approval on this book, because I think this is where most people don't know how to do it.
1: It's the how that's so hard. We all want it. And, you know, even in my own life, for example, I trained, I remember just getting, and I would start anger is the cue. It's like, I'm getting angry at people and I'm like, why am I angry at that? You know, again, I trained them, right. You know, whether it's (laughs) friends or whatever. And, you know, here's just a, a little example. And this is where I really try to get into the details because a lot of these steps start with baby steps. I trained people that if, if I get a text, I respond immediately. I am the, I, you know, and then I was just starting to get angry and I didn't want to look at my phone and it's like, I have to retrain people that I don't respond to that quickly. You know and I mean? So it's that simple. It's that granular, you know, and in my own life, what did that look like? Well, I've become someone who I will, you know, you, you may not hear from me immediately, you know, and, and, and I, I, you know, I kind of have the different ways of talking about kind of setting up structures in your life. You know, these are the people I will text immediately. My kids, my parents, my, you know, these are the people I may get an email back from me, you know, and you kind of, first of all, have to lay this out yourself and then, but won't they get mad, right? Then sure enough, you're going to start to know, when do I communicate that versus when do i just need to change my actions i think people forget that sometimes we just have to start changing the actions it's hard other people start to notice sometimes we do need to communicate depends on the relationships so i try to really get into some of the nuance of that because people don't realize some of this is really you know they're 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 small but they're but they but they are significant ways that we've kind of shown up in the world and other people expect us to be that way. So those well, first baby steps are hard. They're painful.
0: I always love when a therapist uses uh, baby steps language. It always yeah. brings me to what about Bob, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I will say you, practically you do this even on Instagram in your handle. It says, I don't respond to direct messages. Uh, or something, some, you know what I mean, yeah. which I think is yeah. such a like that is a clear little boundary yeah. for, for the best of yeah. you, you know. And um, so I just some of that stuff I think is once you someone is granted the permission, and that's what I felt like those four chapters really just gave that empowerment, equipping, and permission to say, you can, you can do this, yeah. which is so just oh just. It was helpful for me as someone who's yeah. been a pastor for 20 years. I was like, Oh, I wish I would have read this in my twenties. Oh, I wish I would have read this in my thirties.
1: Yeah. Cause I wonder as a pastor, I don't know. And, and with all the access, you know, you know, if it's something like, I don't, I don't email after a certain hour, you know, and I see it, you know, i see it for executive directors or CEOs or anybody, you know, where you, you, you can, you actually can yep. figure out your own rhythms and, Um, it's harder in some settings than others, but, uh, but you can retrain people. You really can. And, and you find out again, you find out, I say over and over, you will find out what kind of people you're dealing with. Some will get it. Some won't, but better to find out.
0: Yes. It's so, it's so true. And and I think that's been one of the most amazing pieces is, is sometimes the people who I thought would ride with and understand didn't. And I was like, Mm. okay, now I know. And some of the people, I thought, there's no way if I articulate this, they're going to be like, "I'm so proud of you." I see you, good job. And to see people's response that way, and and it's it's been really moving in so many ways over the last couple of years as I've just started to learn um, how to kind of embody this. Um, some it, there, you will be surprised on both sides. Yes. You will be surprised. Um, you finish the book and and um it's just beautiful where you give people a chance to envision. But I just love that word, to envision uh the best of you, and you know, and I think there's a sense of people longing to know have I arrived? Do I have I is you know, and you kind of break that down and, and, and process that, but I I just I love the fact of your vulnerability, even just you in your 30s coming to this this moment where you're like, I got to stop. And even at the beginning of the book, you talking, hey, I, I didn't think that this thing would even ever come to print, but it just almost, and I'm just so grateful it did. I'm curious in the everyday for you, are there practices that you, as someone who interacts with people, someone who is a parent, someone who is, you know, doing so much good in the world and putting themselves out there that allows you just to just get in tune with Uh, the, the beautiful parts of yourself. uh Um, yeah. Yeah. What does that look like for you?
1: I will say in very sincere answer to question. My first book was about IFS, which is a model of therapy. I practice personally every morning, checking in with the parts of myself, um, uh, I both check in with God and I check in with myself. And sometimes I have to check in with myself first <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if I, if I try to pray for other people, you know, and there's, it's funny, I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, I should be praying for other people. It's my quiet <laughs> time. And then it's like, I'm distracted because parts of me need attention. So let's just go there first. So sometimes I go, you know, it depends, but every morning I try, I have a little exercise where I check in with myself Just, you know, sometimes it's more lengthy, lengthy than others. One exercise I use, my husband taught me, it's called the, he and I do it. We do it with each other sometimes on date nights. It's called the MEPS. Never heard of it. And, and so it's a real quick way to be like, do it with yourself, do it with your partner. Uh, Let's do a quick MEPS check-in mental, one word, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And if I'm in a hurry, I'll just do that. Mentally, distracted, emotionally, sad, physically, foggy. Um, because I, you know, I'm getting over COVID, yeah. <laughs> right? Spiritu- uh, spiritually connected, you know, and it's always surprising. So that's one way, but then sometimes I'll do a full on, and then my, my husband and I'll even do that like before a day, just give me a quick maps, you know, and it, it just helps you kind of go, okay, this is where you're at. This is where I'm at. It positions you with yeah. each other and I'll do it with myself. I'll do it with God. Um, and then a, a parts work of just noticing, is there a longing? Is there an anger? Is there a bitterness? Is there a distractedness? Try to dig into that just a little bit. And and it's, it's just like going to the gym. If you do a little bit of that every day, you don't get the big backlog, you know, you do just a little bit every day. So I try to be really good about that. I don't, I'm not perfect about it. I also have because I'm not perfect about it I also have weekly bi-weekly monthly and quarterly <laughs> you know I, I structure is our friend yes. um, I'm not a highly I know I sound I'm not a highly organized person but I have learned I have to have people checking in on me regularly I have to have it scheduled because I will say I'm fine so to push against that I have to have that that whether it's a prayer partner every two weeks it's a spiritual director here it's a mentor here a counselor if I need it they're in place. Um, and it's to check in on me, you yeah. know, my own soul. And I think everybody needs that on some level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that is so good. I love just the, even that concept of the maps and just being able to have those one words like, well, oh, mentally distracted or emotionally foggy. Like, I, I think there's, that that's such a helpful, helpful tool, um, I love to watching the way that you use your hands when you, when you talk. And even <laughs> as you were talking about the maps, you, you put your hand like over your heart. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been one of the the practices for me because I don't, I don't, I struggle with getting in tune with my body, but just like almost, it slows me down to go, okay. okay. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. what does she need or what does they want? What I think they want me to say or, or do, mm-hmm. but like, what do, what do I need? Okay. I need oh, to send this person so that text. You know, just to slow it down. A
1: pause. Yes. It's so good. The yeah. pause of the, even just the 30 second breath of, yeah.
0: yeah. It's just it's good. It, it does clean. It clean. It feels like it just it cleans and brings a level of clarity. I, I again, I, I I don't do this very often, but I just, I, I feel that our world would be better if more people, Were to read your work, and let's say, like you're you're speaking to a whole bunch of pastors, and you are, Um, but like let's let's say, like you could kind of articulate, hey, here's my hope, here's my here's my you know my short you know elevator pitch for why the church needs the best of you. What, well, what, what, what would you, what would you offer up? Because in my mind, I'm like, I see a teaching series on this. For my mind, I see uh, you on the road going to all of these churches and talking to staffs. I'm not trying to be your booking agent, but like, I see uh, small groups diving into this book. I I, I see so much of like, mm-hmm. man, the, what a valuable resource this could be because every one of us, like you look at Ecclesiastes and, and it says that he set eternity in our hearts. Like we, we long for the best. We long for the best of us to like be showcased, but the how that you articulated in section three, that, that how to to uncover it, the how to Mm -hmm. express it, to discover it, to envision it. You just do a fantastic job unpacking that. What's your vision? What's your hope for Mm -hmm. this great work? Is it, just gets ready to be set free into the wild of this crazy world that we live in.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful question. Thank you. I'd say two things. One to pastors specifically, I think there's so much pressure Mm. on you as pastors to be all things for all people to solve all the problems. My heart goes out to pastors. I think there is so much pressure and expectation on you. And I just want to say right now that is, it is not your job to solve all these problems and I would say this, it is your job to become the best of who you are before God. Full stop. That's it. Number one, you become the best you before God. And you do that and the rest will follow. And and I just, it's easier said than done, but I really believe it. I just, I, I it, it is the better way to be. It's just, who do you want me to be, God? Help me be that. And then. Let the chips fall where they fall. Um, number two, as far as the vision for the book, I do think there's a way in which my prayer—I do have this vision. I—I—I I, I grieve over this bifurcation between therapy and church. Yep. And so, to, to the pastors who are listening as well, I—I I long for us to come together. And, and say, let's, we are on the same page. We are trying all of us, whether we're therapists or pastors to bring healing. And we are also trying to heal ourselves. Mm. Right. And so how do we, how do we together bring the best of from psychology and the best from faith and the best from church communities? Um, it's something I think about all the time, um, how do we bring the best of these two worlds together um, and, and bring, um, again, more of this healing vision to empower and equip people um, out of, again, the best of who we are, not our, you know, reserves, not as one more expectation.
0: Dr. Allison Cook, thank you. I, again, um, I feel like I just need to get your Venmo and send you some money because <laughs> you have just uh, read my mail and uh, just, just yeah, you, you have this ability, um, this, this wisdom and just a real warmth. And it comes out in your writing. Um, this is obviously our first time ever connecting, you know, uh, in, in person for an interview, but just uh, it's always fun for me to read a book. And I had read your first one and to, to like, feel a sound and then you meet the person or you, you, you go, they, they sound just like I would read them, you know? And it just, it's like, it just, that uh, spirit, that tone, that heartbeat, that truth, that warmth, that power, um, you just uh, articulate so well. So thank you for joining us on the Crafting Character Podcast. Where can people find you? Because uh, I, I, I want as many people to follow you on Instagram, yeah. uh, just because I think there's so much you offer. Uh, where can they find you?
1: Doctor, uh, thank you, Steve. That's super kind, and and this has just been a, a treat for me as well. And I've heard so many good things about you as well, and so grateful for you and this work and of and pouring into to pastors uh, and leaders and and so many people. Um, so thank you. My uh, handle is Dr. Allison Cook. My website is drallisoncook.com. At Dr. Allison Cook on Instagram, it's one L Allison A L I S O N Cook.
0: Awesome. Well, friends, uh, we're going to do a giveaway when this podcast drops. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but really get your hands on this book. And I promise you, this might be an incredible book to do a series um, to kick off 2023. um, That's what I'm thinking for a church that I'm serving in um, because I think there's so much where we can, as Dr. Allison Cook said, uh, really blend the beauty of of counseling and the beauty of theology together um, that really moves people towards what we desire, freedom and healing and peace, and true transformation. So Dr. Allison Cook, thanks so much for joining. And my friends, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us again on the Crafting Character Podcast. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to the Crafting Character Podcast. Please go and pre-order the best of you. Learn how to break free from painful patterns, mend your past, and discover your true self in God. I'm so grateful for my friends at preaching today. They want to help you get better at your preaching. You remember the last uh, podcast, we talked about this required humility, the humility required. Preaching today is an incredible opportunity. You can become a member. We'd love to help you get better. And also through the Ascent Leader, where we do these year-long cohorts with some incredible mentors, incredible coaches. I just got done being with a Nancy Beach, where she coached all of these incredible pastors and emerging voices <clears throat> it was just un believable. We've got another one that's dropping later this fall with uh, Pastor Dave Stone. You can learn more at the ascentleader.org. And I'm really excited because I'm headed to the Dominican Republic with Food for the Hungry uh, in, a, in, in September. And this be my first time like seeing and really experiencing. I've heard all of these stories. And so if there's ever a time you want to learn more about the good work of Food for the Hungry, uh, please reach out. My email is steve at steveryancarter.org. Com. But let's, let's be the kind of people and when people experience us, our presence, they get to experience the best of us because we've broken free from those painful patterns. We've mended those past wounds and we're stepping into who God called us to be as sons, as daughters, as husbands, as wives, as disciples, as pastors and preachers and leaders and shepherds. Much love, everyone. Grace and peace.